Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing a sustaining and unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I thank you so much for spending some time with me today as we continue to walk through the life of Peter and weather the storm with him. We are in season five of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network, and today we are recording episode seven. I've entitled today's episode simply, Godly Sorrow. And looking forward to discussing this topic with you. Before we dive into that, I do want to say a quick word about the Scattered Broad Network. Uh, we are a network, a, a network of podcasts where we have new content coming out every day. And we're all striving to stick with the Word of God and hopefully help you in all kinds of different areas of life. This podcast in particular to help you weather the different storms and, and difficult trials that you may face. Hoping that this can give you a boost of confidence and encouragement just to get through the day and move on to the next one. I do want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to go and to subscribe to the Scattered Abroad Network Master Feed, wherever you get your podcast, to check us out on YouTube, uh, to contact us, if you'd like, at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com, and check out our website, scatteredabroad.org. Certainly check us out on Instagram as well. And we are striving to uh, really get content out as far and wide as we can, all to the glory of God. So again, appreciate so much. All of our listeners, I thank you in particular for listening to this podcast. And I do hope it, that it's helpful. If you've been listening to season five, then you know that we're, we're building on this theme of weathering the storm with Peter. And we've covered a lot of his life already in this season about how he left his nets to follow Jesus. He forsook all. He recognized that Jesus uh, was Lord and he had this 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 recognition of Jesus, and that he understood the price that had to be paid. We talked about the fact that he went out and walked on the water, but then he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. So we, we've really emphasized his humanity, some of the highs and some of the lows. In our last episode, perhaps the lowest, the lowest time in Peter's life was when he denied Jesus three times after telling him that he was ready to die for him. And this is what we found in Luke chapter 22. And we spent the episode walking through the fact that, that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. As we closed out episode six, we discussed how Peter was weeping bitterly. And we certainly don't want to leave him there because that's not where the Bible leaves him. You know, if, if Peter's story were to end right there, how sad would that be that he never... He never made changes. He never got back on track. And I, I often think about Judas and Peter, and they're very similar in the sense that they both denied Jesus. They both were followers of Jesus. They both realized that they had done what was wrong, but only one of them handled it correctly. You know, Judas, he, he knew his, hand, his, his hands were helping to shed innocent blood. He knew that. Remember, he took the money back to them. They said, what's that to us? You know, you, we used you and you, you did a great job. So go on your way. We don't need you anymore. And Judas went out and he hung himself because of the sorrow and the guilt and the remorse that he felt for being guilty of what he did to Jesus. Well, then here you have Peter who maybe had those same thoughts. I don't know. Maybe Peter's thinking, how in the world am I supposed to live with myself now? That I'm going to look at my Lord 
who I was so convicted to follow him no matter what, to go to prison, to go to death. And I just told these people three times I didn't even know who he was. And we talked about the look that Jesus gave Peter and how that must have sent chills down his spine. But Peter ends by crying, weeping, wailing, sobbing, bitter, bitter tears. And that's kind of where we want to pick up today. Again, we've entitled the episode Godly Sorrow because this is a biblical phrase that we find in the book of 2 Corinthians. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And you might say, well, this has nothing to do with Peter. And no, not in this context. Of course, Paul's writing to the brethren at Corinth in a second epistle. He's writing about something totally different. But what we're going to read about when it comes to sorrow certainly applies to Peter. And when you think about Peter weathering the storm, the storm of denying Jesus, the storm of thinking, how can I ever get back on track? This is how you handle it. It may be that you're listening today and you've, you've gone through a lot of trials and maybe you find yourself where Peter did. You find yourself crying a lot. You find yourself crying bitterly because you've hurt God. You've hurt others. You've hurt yourself in the sense that you have not been doing what you know you should be doing. And maybe you're just mad at yourself. You're upset with yourself, and you think there's no way out of this. What Peter shows us in this scene and what the Apostle Paul talks about in this account can help us weather the storm for sure. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's begin there in verse 2. Paul, again, writing to the brethren at Corinth, he said, Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Here's why, verse 5. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so I rejoiced even more. Keep in mind that, that Paul was in Corinth for 18 months. Corinth was a very wicked, wicked place. And you had a lot of Christians there who had come out of a very sinful life. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Paul lists you know, what they were involved in. He said, but now you are washed, you are sanctified, you're justified. He's writing to Christians, but they had a lot of problems in the church there at Corinth. They had to correct. You remember one of the problems was a man had his father's, his father's wife. And he said, listen, this is not lawful. This is not right. You need to address this. You need to handle this the way that God wants you to handle it. And they did. They were sorry for what they did. They were sorry for the sin that was taking place, and they handled it the right way. And so Paul says, I, I'm, I'm glad that you did that. In fact, he says, I rejoiced even more because you, your zeal for me, your earnest desire to do the right thing, you mourned over it, you mourned over your sin, and, and you corrected it. And that kind of builds up to what we're discussing in verses 8 through 10. He says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. 
though I did regret it. For I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Your sorrow was not for nothing. Your sorrow had a purpose because it led you to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Verse 10 is what we want to build our thoughts around here in connection with Peter and how Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, here's the thing. Why did Peter go out and cry like that? Was it because there were other people around who made him feel bad about his decision? Was it because the disciples came to him and said, how dare you do that? How hypocritical you are. Why would you do that? And he was sad because he got caught. He was sad because people found out. No, Peter had godly sorrow, meaning he was sorry that he hurt God. He was sorry because he knew what he did was wrong and that he had hurt the Lord. That look from Jesus changed the future of Peter. Now, Peter was impulsive. He was prideful a lot of times. He thought that he knew better. He had it all figured out sometimes. But that look from Jesus to look at him and say, Peter, you're not in charge. Peter, you're not the one who has all the answers. Peter, even though you think you're strong, you're not. You need to come back to me. You need to be converted, truly converted. You need to be strengthened so you can strengthen other people. That was what that look was all about. Jesus looking at him saying, Peter, I told you this was going to happen, and here you are doing it. So now how are you going to respond? Friends, we need to remember that what happens to you sometimes you can't control, but you can control how you respond. Adversity is the friend of the champion, but the foe of the loser. Adversity can make or break you. How we respond to the storms, how we respond to the trials, shows what we're really made of. And we think about Peter, all the ups and downs, all the trials, all the things that he went through. This scene tells us who he really was, the character of this man. The character is what you do when nobody else is watching. Integrity. I would argue that this is where it all starts. You know, if it didn't bother Peter, if he blamed somebody else or got mad at somebody else and he just went about his way and said, whatever, I'm just going to go back to who I was. How sad would that be? You think of Peter, you think of David, another example of one who who met his sin straight on, on, head on. And he had godly sorrow. But Peter didn't have Nathan the prophet come to him. Peter had a look from Jesus. And Peter had the recognition 
that he and nobody else had done this wrong to against the Lord. He had godly sorrow. When you think of this language at the end of verse 9, when Paul tells the brethren in Corinth, you were made sorry in a godly manner. That shows us that there's a possibility of having sorrow in a worldly manner. Having the kind of sorrow that does not produce something positive. But when that sorrow can help you realize what you've done and bring about that remorse, it can actually help you to make changes in the future. And that's exactly what we're reading about here, and that's exactly what happened with Peter. For godly sorrow produces repentance. What is repentance? You know, sometimes you bring that up and somebody says, well, it means to turn around. And while that's implied in there and that is involved in repentance, the word repent simply means to change your mind. You know, I, I like the, the parable of the two sons that Jesus tells. I think that's the one of the best uh, definition, working definition of repentance. The father came to the two sons. He said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And the first son said, I will not. But afterward, he repented, and then he went. Now notice, the going was a part of the repentance, but when, when did the repentance take place? It was when he changed his mind, and he changed his course of action. He said, I will not go, but then he repented, and then he went. He changed his mind, and he changed his course of action. The other son said, I will go, but he didn't. And Jesus said, all right, which one did the will of his father? Well, that's the one who repented and made things right. Well, that's what we're reading about here when it comes to repenting and making things right. See, if I'm just sorry that I got caught, that implies that if I wouldn't have gotten caught, I would have never really been sorry for it. But if I'm sorry because I did something that was wrong and I hurt God, then that's godly sorrow. And what does it lead to? It produces repentance. The change of mind that brings about the change of life was triggered by the right kind of response to doing what was wrong. You know, if it doesn't bother you at all, that's, that's an issue. <laughs> but when it bothers you and it brings you to your knees and you have remorse and you lament and mourn and weep, as James uses that language, you howl over your sin. You recognize, I am wrong and I've got to make this right. That kind of sorrow produces repentance. And repentance is what leads one to salvation, not to be regretted. You see how that formula works together? You mess up. You have the right kind of response to messing up. Godly sorrow. And with that, you have repentance. And that repentance is what leads one to salvation. Another example, we use David. Another example is in Luke 15 with the lost son. Remember that account? You have, really, it's about the older brother not wanting to, to welcome him back, talking about the Pharisees. But when you think about the lost son, he took his father's inheritance and said, hey, give me my inheritance. I, w I want it now. He said, okay, here you go. And he went out and he wasted it on riotous living. And then he found himself in the pig pen. And he could have stayed in the pig pen. And he could have felt sorry for himself. And he could have blamed other people. But instead, he said, I will arise. And I will go to my father. And I'm going to tell him that I was wrong and I've sinned. That's exactly what he did. Now, 
would he have truly repented with godly sorrow if he wouldn't have gotten up and gone? No. But he allowed that sorrow to motivate him, see, to repent. And from that repentance, it led to his restoration. He got up, he went back home, and his father ran to him and embraced him. This my son was dead, but now he is alive. He has come back home, which of course is the word picture there of repentance. Godly sorrow. It wasn't worldly sorrow. It wasn't that he was down in the pig pen and and he's just sorry that he got caught and he's sorry that he's in this position, but he realized I'm in this position because I put myself here and I have hurt my father. And I want to go back and make things right. The same is true with the brethren in Corinth here, and certainly the same is true with Peter. Peter hurt the Lord, and that hurt him. And he wanted to make things right. And so he had godly sorrow, which produced repentance, leading unto salvation. But notice what Paul says as he closes out verse 10. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Worldly sorrow, sorry that you got caught, is not going to produce the change of heart and change of life that you need to make things right in the eyes of God. Godly sorrow, being accountable, saying, I'm wrong for doing this. This is not in harmony with the will or word of God. I've got to make this change for me. I've got to make sure my heart is right with God. I need to handle this God's way. I need to truly repent and make things right so I can move forward. That's the biggest difference between Peter and Judas. They both denied the Lord. They both knew that they were wrong. But, but Judas handled it the wrong way. Peter handled it the right way. He wept bitterly. He had remorse. He had genuine godly sorrow. And everything we read past this event in Scripture and the rest of what we're going to be studying about in this season, this is the hinge point. This is the moment that changed everything for Peter. Now, is Peter still going to be bold? Is he still going to be impulsive? Is he still going to make mistakes? Yes. But here's a man who was broken by his sin, broken by denying Jesus, and one who was able to be mended again by having godly sorrow, confronting his demons head on, and weathering the storm. Friends, I don't know about you, but but this episode in preparing this and, and, and going through and studying about this event has helped me. That when I mess up, when I sin, when I hurt God, I need to have the same approach. It needs to hurt me deep down. I don't need to blame anybody else. I don't need to try to justify my actions. I need to have true, genuine, godly sorrow so I can have true, genuine repentance and be restored. You know, for the child of God, that promise is made in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7-9. through 9. If we walk in the light, see us in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we lie and deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Children of God have that wonderful, wonderful blessing. The second law of pardon. It's all produced godly sorrow, produces repentance that leads to salvation. Peter, in the darkest moment of his life, handled it the right way 
he turned back to God, and God was able to use him as a vessel to impact the world for good and to bring glory to his blessed name. I thank you so much for listening today. And if you're going through a storm right now and you find yourself maybe in the same boat as Peter, you you deny the Lord by the way you've lived and you've hurt God, handle it the way that Peter did. Have that remorse, have that, that, that sorrow, but at the same time, make sure it's the right kind so you can repent. You can make changes. Get back on track. We have a loving God, a loving Father who will welcome us back with loving arms if we meet the conditions and do it the way that He has prescribed in His Word. And what a blessing that is. I hope and pray that this episode, as we walk through the life of Peter and how he handled this dark moment, will help you in some of the darkest moments that you face. Ultimately, I hope that it will help you to weather the storm to the glory of God. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.